This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to give them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we have a very special program on. First, because we're bringing back some guests that we've had on before, so that's always so much fun. I love that. But the reason that we have had them return to the program is so very cool. And it's something that I think many people... In the back of their minds, think, oh, I would love to do that. And then, of course, the, you know, they become practical. The little voices in their heads say, no, you can't do that. The little voices outside their heads say, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and all of these various things. And so before we jump in exactly what I'm talking about, please join me in welcoming Ryan Biddoff and Kelly Cooper back to our program today. Hi, Deb. Thank you for having us. We're really excited. Super excited to be back. Great, great. Well, first of all, let me tell folks that we, I only, this is always fun when I only have to make one Skype connection because you all are married. So, you know, that does make life a little bit easier. But, you know, for people who might not remember when you were on the programs, let me give your bios. Awesome. So, Kelly Cooper is a coach who specializes in the law of attraction. She focuses on clearing up misconceptions about the teaching and bridging the gap between the theory and reality of manifesting. She has applied these principles with great success in her own life, namely building a successful coaching business she runs while traveling the world with her husband. And as I said, her husband is Ryan Biddeff. He is a blogger, author and world traveler who's been featured on Richard Branson Virgin blog, Forbes, Fox News, Entrepreneur, Positively Positive, Lifehack, JohnChow.com, and NeilPatel.com. He has written and self-published. When he wrote this for me, it was 126 bite-sized ebooks on Amazon, but I'm pretty sure it's more than that now. And Ryan can help you retire to a life of island hopping through smart blogging at Blogging from Paradise. So again, guys, welcome. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here and chat. Well, your energy is so great. It's like pumping me up. Yeah, exactly. so much fun when we talk. This is, is just so cool. And and I do love the concept. So what we are talking about is the fact that you guys are totally virtual. You're nomads. Um, you don't mm-hmm. have. I'm I'm, ass- I'm assuming you do have, and I'm putting this in my little air quotes, a permanent address. But you really don't have a place that you call home because you travel the world over. And obviously, you've picked careers that allows you to do that. But like I said, I think there's so many people that think. Wow, I would love to do that, even if it's just for a month, a week, really, yo, I'm sure people are thinking, can I do this for a week, let alone mm-hmm. for for a long time. So let's mm-hmm. kind of take some steps back. And what made you think that this was even something that was something you could do and not just, oh, golly gee, wouldn't it be nice? Well, um, the when I first, for me personally, when I first started seeing it was possible was when I was actually still in New Jersey and I had given some thought to this type of life. But at the time I thought I wanted to do this. My life was so far away from this life in every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. There would have been no logical way to think I, how I could get from A to B. And then I started getting some online based sources of income. And one of the major ones I got was I was working for a, a company that owned a bunch of websites and they had uh, freelance writers produce content for them. Mm-hmm. And the work was very steady. It was very flexible And once I started really getting into that, and after a few months of doing that, I started realizing, you know, this traveling and working at the same time might actually be possible because 
I could do that anywhere. I'm like, I could do this anywhere. So that's when the wheels really started turning on it. And I talked to Ryan about it one day. I remember saying I was really feeling the urge to, to travel, not just go on vacations or even extended vacations, but just travel, you know, not with like, Oh, we'll never come back, but just like going and not having to come back at any uh, set time and just, you know, do it on our own time, our own terms. And he had never traveled before. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then we just started planning it from there. Yeah, we took off. I just saw the possibility there like Kel, where I was like, you realize if you can make some money online and do it where you're at in your hometown, that the light bulb goes off. Like, holy crow, I could do this anywhere in the world if I wanted to, because you realize you have the mobile source of income. So it was the same deal by earning uh, some cash online being in New Jersey, and she had traveled a few times without me. I decided to stay home. She did like a Central America trip and a South America trip. But then she's like, you know what? I want to go to Asia. And I'm thinking of maybe Bali. And as soon as I heard Bali, that was like the magic word. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. And that was the point where we're like, let's just do what we're doing here, Mm -hmm. but have those mobile sources of income so we could do it from anywhere in the world. And we started traveling and we thought maybe it would be open-ended and it wound up being like a year and a half long trip. And that's where everything really took root. Well, we were gone almost two years. Closer to two, yeah. yeah. Like 22 yeah. months. <laughs> yeah, 22 we were months. gone for a while. That's right, yeah, by the time we left. And I remember, there. too, though, it was interesting because even though I had the, the freelance writing and Ryan had some um, stuff going on, too, online, I don't think we were quite ready at that moment to just go based on that. I think I needed still, like, some, like, reason to go other. Right. Like, so I remember actually applying for an English teaching job in Bali that actually was actually working online, but okay. the office was based in Bali. Mm-hmm. So I applied for that job and got it. And I felt like it really gave us like a real reason to like, go. not real, right. but like, I still was like, Oh yeah, I have this job to go to. And mm-hmm. you know, it's more secure, but it's interesting because I think in my heart, I knew that I actually didn't want the job. And when I got there, it was almost like I knew the whole time I wasn't going to take it. I just needed something solid to go right. on. And when I got there, Every, uh, many things about the job ended up being very different than they told me. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And because I had the writing income, I knew that, okay, if I quit this job, we could still keep doing this. We'll have this money. And I remember I quit even before I started and I was just very honest with them. And I'm like, you know, this really isn't what I thought it was going to be. The hours, the pay, all these different things. And I'm like, you know, I really don't think it's a right fit for me. And I think they had a lot of turnover. So I don't think it was surprising, right. you know, what I, me leaving. I don't think it was uh, something that, you know, there was like a shock to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it was just, you know, but I think in my heart, I was going with the intention of, not working because I had also too, I think what was hard for me was before that I hadn't worked a regular job in, in a few years. Mm-hmm. So this idea of all of a sudden being on a schedule again, I was just like, right. Oh, Ew. I don't really want to do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What do you mean? I have to be somewhere at nine o'clock. Exactly. And I was just like, Oh, I don't know about that. So it was interesting because I did that, but it was almost like, it was like this cover for it. And then I was like, as soon as I got there, I got the courage to actually do it. Mm-hmm. totally on my way. And I didn't even keep the job. And I was like, okay, we're not even going to do that. And then we'll just, you know, travel, mm-hmm. you know, long, you know, place to pace rather than just staying in Bali for a while. And then, yeah, we just started going all over Southeast Asia. Right. So what was the reaction when you told people and especially your family that you were going to do this? Well, for me, I don't think my family was too shocked because I had done something similar before, like a few years previous. Mm -hmm. In 2006, I just out of nowhere decided I wanted to teach English abroad and I got a job in Japan. And within a few months, I was gone for close to a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't for me, at least they weren't so surprised that. And and before we did that trip, I had taken a few long term trips to like Central and South America Mm -hmm. and Europe. Those are the trips I was talking about before that um, I did solo. He didn't come with me. Mm-hmm. So my family, I don't think was too, too surprised. They were kind of like, my again. family. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, she's uh, that again. Here's <laughs> Kelly. No, my family was a little more surprised Deb, because I never traveled internationally. My first flight was going to be, and it was from JFK in New York city, Denpasar, Bali altogether. It's 23 oh. hours. Oh. And I think it's like 12,000 miles mm-hmm. about or 11,000, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so my parents were like, maybe you should like for your first flight, you've never been on a plane before. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they were thinking almost like Newark EWR to like yeah. Philly. They're like, just get a 45 minute yeah. flight. Yeah, get that under your belt. I don't know if you want to do a 23 hour flight, but I'm like, you know what? 
if I'm going to do this travel thing mm. after doing a 23 hour flight, everything is going to seem short. Plus I'll have no choice. Once you get up in the air, unless I really, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Unless I really think I'm a superhero, truly, you know, I'm not going to be jumping off the plane. So it's like, okay, I, I kind of had that, that urge. And then my family respected it. I think initially they were kind of surprised because our last vacation was like 1989. Mm-hmm. So it was like a classic, <laughs> classic American family. No, literally right. our last vacation, <laughs> 1989, which was a nice place. We used to go to Hilton Head or Charleston in South Carolina. So it was a cool trip, but, but they were like, okay, um, well, interesting. And it was one of those things where initially they were kind of shocked, but then they can kind of see that it would be really fun and freeing for me. And that mm-hmm. in so many ways, I just outgrown the life I had lived in New Jersey and it really wasn't for me anymore. And it was nothing personal with folks that were doing the nine to five or my friends are, you know, still living that life more. I just wanted to do something different. And Kelly was the catalyst mm-hmm. to show me that it was possible. Just knowing it was possible that we could do it and that we wanted to do it. There was, there was no way that we weren't going. Yeah, to we do were it. all in. It was so like, it was we're, like we're doing this. Like we're going, we can, there's no reason not to, you know, we didn't have kids. We didn't have anything that was holding us back from doing it. So there was just no question in our mind. Like once we made the decision, like the wheels were turning, there was no going back from it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're, you know, you could, you know, the, the nice thing is technology allows you to keep in touch. You know, you can absolutely with your family. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. not like it used to be where, you know, you were you had to rely on mail to to come back and forth um you know and, and all of those things i have a, a friend who is um she was is a, a history teacher you know uh, middle school high school and she was at a um a high school in colorado springs that the, the entire high school closed down and so you know she was kind of at this age of well you know she wasn't quite ready to retire but you know, she was also thinking, you know, what do I want to do? And so she applied to the State Department and she taught school in Dubai for a couple of years. Oh, that's and then, cool. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and there were obviously a lot of hoops and bells to, to go through with that. Um, but then, you know, when that was done, she's now teaching in China and she has been there for three years and she absolutely loves it. Um, you know, and, and when possible, we Skype. Um, you know, she's it's really funny. She's not only is she in China, she doesn't Facebook. I mean, you know, and and um, so, you know, and, and I love it. She still has her AOL email address. Nah. Um, you know, so I kind of call her a troglodyte. She has no cell phone. I mean, and That's never funny. has. But, you know, she's single and, you know, like you didn't have kids and just thought, why not? I mean, you know, it was it was kind of that, you know, there were far more things saying you should go do this than than holding her back. Well, I think that's a question we don't ask ourselves enough because mm-hmm. we're always like, well, why? Well, sometimes you don't have a really good reason why you're going to do something, but it's like, well, why not? Right. Why not do it? I remember when I moved to Japan, a lot of people were asking me why I was doing that. I'm like, I don't know, because I want to. <laughs> I don't have like a, a really good reason to. There's no like reason that's like, oh, that makes sense to do that. Like there's a million different choices I could make. But I'm like, that's the what. Yeah. So I, so I say and I always say to people, too, I'm like, you know, very few decisions in life are permanent. You right. could always come back home. So for some people, because I know some people, they go all out. They sell their house. They sell everything they own and they hit the road. That might be a little too much for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, we, you know, Ryan had been renting an apartment. He, you know, just, we just had to like stop renting it. You know, he didn't own it. Let it go. I was li- let it go. I was living with my mom at the time. So I didn't have any mm-hmm. housing or anything. So like, we didn't have to make those sorts of decisions, but I understand some people, you might have a house or whatever. So it's like, okay, maybe you're renting an apartment. You'll come back. You can rent a new apartment. I'm mm-hmm. sure you'll find one. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't want to, if selling, like I said before, if selling your house and everything you own is a little too big of a leap for you, if you're not sure, mm-hmm. you don't have to take it that far. Maybe sublet your house out or whatever, you know, it's, and rent it out and keep us, whatever. It's like you, if you really want to do it, you could find a way to do it your way. Mm-hmm. And then if it really doesn't work out, cause some people, they might start doing that and maybe they don't like it and they thought they would, or they're like, you know what? I, I pictured myself doing this for years, but I did it for six months and I'm good. Like that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. Then you just come home. So that's what I always say to people too. Like it's not as big of a decision as it might seem initially, mm-hmm. Because you can always come back and rent a new apartment or go back to your house or whatever. And it's just like, just go for it and you see don't, what happens. You don't have to always burn the bridges. You could just test the waters. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. That's good well, way to put it. And there's really no difference between, you know, somebody who's moving from New Jersey to Denver. You know, it's it's a different place, you know, and, and all of those various things. And, and people make those types of moves and decisions all the time. 
you guys just made it, you know, lots further. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, that's yeah what it's we a did. distance. And then obviously a cultural difference, too. But right. the thing is, too, Deb, the more you travel, or even just being on the road for the first time, those cultural differences, there there are so many similarities there, too. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things about travel. You'll appreciate different cultures. Your, your tolerance levels will go through the roof. You'll see kind of how the world works from different perspectives. But then you also see that there are so many similarities. I know that's one thing that really scares so many folks. They think, you know, like we've heard, oh, in Thailand, or people are... We spent some time in a hut over there. And then when I tell them that the moles in Thailand are much nicer than the moles in New Jersey, folks are very surprised in some of the spots. So it's like, that's the cool thing about travel and about adopting this lifestyle. I remember one time when I was in Nepal, I was talking to my sister and I was like, yeah, we had pizza. She's like, they have pizza there. I'm like, yeah, they have Italian. Very good Italian restaurants. It's funny because a lot of people, if they especially have, like you have these images of certain places of the world thinking they're like, you know, these like third world, you know, like. You know, nothing's there. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's just like, no, it's, it's very different than you think. So a lot of places, unless you're really going in the middle of nowhere, yeah. right. most places you go, you're going to still be able to find a lot of the things mm-hmm. you might find here. It'll be different. It might not be exactly the same, but it's probably not as lacking in your creature comforts and things you want that you might initially think for right. certain places. Well, like my friend in, in China, when she first moved there, she went to Ikea. and I was like oh you know and 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 she said it was really funny because you know it was the same little stick figure drawings and you know to to, exactly you still had parts left over um you know and so yeah you know there's there's when I was in Italy we went to McDonald's now you know did we need to no but it was just kind of the novelty of being able to go to McDonald's in Italy um yeah and, and various things like that so but it is about embracing those cultures and and I love that thought of really being able to be there for more than a vacation um, and totally immerse yourself in, you know, in, in what's going on around you. It's a really great experience. And if you have a, you know, digital, you know, mobile sources of income that it really gives you the opportunity to do that. Now, everybody likes to travel differently. We're personally, we're not big on moving around every few days type of travel. Mm -hmm. Um, because we work, that's not really ideal. Like we prefer to be somewhere for a while, a house mm-hmm. or an apartment. And, and every once in a while we'll, we'll travel like that, you know, for somewhere, if we don't mm-hmm. think it's somewhere we would stay a long time. Um, but yeah. And it's like, it's a really, it's a nice opportunity because yeah, you do, you get to really get to know a place. You're not running in and out, trying to check things off your list and, you know, list as many places as possible that you've been. You could go somewhere for a month, two months, even longer. Mm-hmm. And just get the experience. And yeah, for me, I love traveling like that. And I like being relaxed and, you know, I'm not big on like doing a ton of stuff and moving around a lot. So yeah, it's perfect for me. And for anybody that likes traveling would like to travel like that. If you have those mobile sources of income, take advantage of it. I would say take it. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to commit to a nomadic lifestyle, but if you do have that flexibility, you could go somewhere for a month, six weeks, two months at a stretch and still come back home. You know, people can do it in whatever way works for them. That's the cool thing about slow travel too. You get to make friends, right? You get to actually make friends in these places. One of the cool things I've noticed too, and we've experienced that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's when you're there for three weeks, a month, two months, it helps you make friends. You're living there. So you see how the life is. And one of the things I've always enjoyed is, is the wildlife aspect. I mean, we've seen spitting cobras and toucans and two toads, lost, three toads, lost, all types of monkeys. We've had monkeys on the porch and mm-hmm. just really, it's, it's pretty rare animals. And this is something that I really enjoy so much. And you're never going to see that when you're popping through for a weekend or for a week, it's so rare. But when you spend a little more time, you get to see, and experience the place a little bit more like a local does. And I think that's kind of why we're traveling. We want to go right. somewhere maybe a little different and get a different taste. And and then again, it could be something where you don't have to be a full-time digital nomad and mm-hmm. still have your home. Go back the next month and kind of get a feel and say, hey, I look forward to that maybe at the end of the year, maybe next year, or maybe it isn't as much for you, but it's doing it once without the explanation. And that's the thing we kind of master, that art of living this lifestyle, of having to explain things mm-hmm. or feeling right. that you need to explain it. Just like, yeah, we're going because we're going. It sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Why not? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and it does. It comes back to that. Why not? I mean, you know, it can be undone, you know, and, and I think that's the thing is, you know, but so many people have the fear of, you know, the, the what ifs, you know, and, and, you know, all of those various things. And, and I mean, we can talk ourselves out of driving to the end of the block if you want to, because you could get hit by a bus, lightning. I mean, all those various things. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so it's, it's, 
it is kind of the, you know, well, why not do it? If if it doesn't work out, then we can fix it. You know, at the very least, you go, Ugh, well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I always, that's what, especially with anything in life. Like I was, it's like, you know, it's, if it happens, like it doesn't work out, then you just go back to what you're doing before. And then you figure out something else, if whatever. And yeah, with the fears of traveling, yeah, all sorts of things can happen when you travel. You can't, ultimately you can't control it. Right. Yeah. You worry, maybe someone will steal your stuff. Maybe someone will, maybe you will get sick. Maybe this will happen or that'll happen. You never know. But there's a very good chance that like how you've lived most of your life with most days, you, you come out okay and unscathed. It's the same thing when you're traveling. Most days, most times, there's probably nothing's going to happen. Yeah, it could, but it probably won't. So it's like, don't worry too much and, you know, take any precautions you feel like would make you feel better. But, you know, don't, uh, don't let the fear hold you back because it's, if it's something you want to do, you'll regret it if you don't. Now, if you're someone that doesn't like traveling, then yeah, don't force yourself to travel. You can't miss out on something you have no desire to do in the first place. But Mm -hmm. if you do, and then you don't do it, especially if you you have the opportunity because of the the nature of your work, you could do it. It would be feasible. And it's Mm -hmm. something you want to do. Make it happen. You'll find a way and don't let the fear, any fear, you know, even if that stuff were to happen, let's say, it's still, you would still probably have a great time and it would be fine anyway. And you'd be like, I'm so glad I did it. Well, and to be honest, you guys are right now in New York City. So, you know, anybody who's thinking, oh my gosh, other places are scary, you're in New York City. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of other places that are a heck of a lot more safe than where yeah, you guys are right now. That's what it is, too. I think, especially Americans, I think Americans in general tend to have a more kind of irrational fear of the world than maybe other. <laughs> cultures that travel more (laughs) exactly and you know and we always say we kind of compare it to like you know if something is happening in detroit like a murder or something a riot in detroit or somewhere wherever and you're in florida it's like it's not going to affect you i'm like it's kind of the same thing as like so if you read about a really dangerous part of guatemala but then you're in a safe part where there's a bunch of tourists, then you're going to be fine. You're not, it's the same thing. It's like, you wouldn't not go to Florida because of what's happening in Detroit. And I think what happens too is especially, and I would say to people, this is just my personal opinion, but someone might disagree. Do not read the state department's information on any country you're planning on going to, because everything you're going to read is going to scare the crap out of you. And here's the thing, the stuff that they're talking about is probably happening. But if you were to read something about America with our gun violence and all the crime we have here, you would think America is a terrible place well, and most this, people find it's okay. This, this pretty much sums it up. It's I just think. everywhere has crime. And but most, like I said before, most places, most people, if we're talking about statistics and averages, the average person, you go, no matter where you go, you're probably going to be okay. We, just exercise some common we sense. We started our trip in Bali. I remember the State Department's advisement on and off for Indonesia is such a hotbed for terrorism and there's so many sleeper cells, Al-Qaeda. So I'm reading this. I'm reading this before we go to Bali. My dad's, you know, be careful, be careful, Indonesia. Three days before I took out a book from the library in my hometown in New Jersey, and this is three weeks before we left, a kid was shot and killed in front of the library at 9 a.m. in the morning. Right. Now, I don't want to give any negative publicity to my hometown, <laughs> but but the west end of my hometown is pretty much like a war zone, yet so many people even in the town, it, wow, Bali, or wow, travel, and is it safe? And it's just, I mean, it makes you laugh because we live in a country and, you know, God bless them, it's, it's the right, but where there is so much fear where, you know, obviously there's, arming themselves and mm-hmm. so much more just that that fearful energy where, where we're living whereas in a lot of other countries i mean we've walked around in bali at, at midnight mm-hmm. through balinese neighborhoods and never felt unsafe and in fiji at two in the morning in front of a bunch of uh you know 350 pound burly pretty pretty lit up fijian guys who look like wrestlers from wwf and i never felt unsafe so it's like when you're in a lot of these areas you just see that anything can happen anywhere so unless, you know, it's, it's a war zone or someone that just has real instability, the chance of you running into any situation that's even remotely close to being dangerous, let alone life-threatening, you're so much more likely to walk out of your door and get struck by lightning right, right. <laughs> in, in, in America or New Jersey or anywhere, you know? Well, and it is, you know, there are some things, and, and if anything, maybe it's kind of more cultural. And, and um, like my friend when she was in Dubai, I mean, there were very clearly things that she could do and, and could not do. And they said, you know, you, you don't go here or, and, and part of that, (coughs) excuse me, was a woman traveling alone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. so there were a little bit different things there, but clearly some of the cultural things. And and so she was just very careful. And, and same thing, too, with China. She respects their culture. And, mm. you know, in places where you are supposed to have your head covered, she had her head covered. Um, now, she is a very modest dresser anyway. So, you know, she never really had to, to worry about things like that. But it was not about being afraid. It was about respecting their culture. And I think that's just kind of the, the way that we need to think about this is, you know, you, you research it and you find out. I mean, I, I remember when we went to Italy and we were told, you know, OK, if you go to Catholic mass, you don't go in in shorts. They won't let you in. And we were like, really? Shorts? You know, and yeah, they did not. Now, you know, we went to a, a full Italian mass and, you know, and, and people there still dressed very formally for church and all of those things. So it was about respecting them as opposed to, well, I'm the American and I can do what I want. Yeah, no, that's very important. You know, like we did a house sit in Qatar, a Middle Eastern country, you know, it's conservative. And I recognize that I couldn't dress how I would normally dress when I'm traveling. Tank top, no bra, boobs bouncing around. You know, that's kind of my thing. I'm like, who cares? But I'm like, I can't do that there. So I had a bra and I wore T-shirts with sleeves. And and I had to. Whenever we left the compound, the guys, my my knees had to be covered. Anybody, men or women. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize, yeah, like you do your best to respect the culture. Like you said, don't just go around thinking, well, this is what I, this is how I do things at home. I do it here. It's like, no, some places things are different, especially with like dress, dress code and certain types of behavior. And it's like, yeah, if you're willing to respect that and don't, you know, I think the big part of it is just common sense is the biggest thing. It's like, don't, you know, walk around with really expensive stuff or drawing, drawing attention to yourself. You're afraid, you know, you don't want to be targeted or whatever it is. And, and yeah, I just think most places you go, most people are normal, non-criminal people and they're not going to do anything to you. They're not going to specifically target you for as a tour. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you might get overcharged. That's probably the biggest thing you're going yeah. to experience is people yeah. see that you're, you're a tourist. tourist. The, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's really the biggest thing that's probably going to happen to you in most places. It's just, you get overcharged because they mm-hmm. see that you're a tourist. They think you are rich because you're a traveler. Right. And that's really that's in Thailand, the thing that happened to me most there was just in, paying more for stuff. Than in Thailand, you pay the Ferenc price. Although it didn't happen to us in Qatar, but then again, the USD uh, per capita income is 400000 It's the, It's the wealthiest country in the world, Qatar. So that was kind of a different change-up for us. But yeah, in a lot of countries in Thailand, you pay the Ferenc price. And the thing is, too, Deb, in so many of these countries, I mean, especially places like Indonesia or Fiji, not only are the locals really, uh, you know, just the, they're nice and pleasant, but they're so excited and humbled that you're spending time in their country. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we got invited. I put a picture today on Facebook where you see me in my, my Balinese gear. Yeah, we got invited wedding. to a Balinese wedding. How cool was that? Mm-hmm. Funniest, funniest thing about it. Well, funniest thing. Awesome experience. But we asked what the wedding, quote unquote, fee, what should we bring? Mm-hmm. And it was 96,000 rupiah, which comes out to $8 USD. I'm going to try that with my friends <laughs> in wedding next month in New Jersey. Yeah, see how that like works. $8. Bring $8 next month for my doctor, my doctor buddy's wedding. But, um, but it was like unbelievable. I mean... You can't, I always hear these sayings before we started traveling about the experience and the thrill of travel. But I mean, you remember, Kelly, I mean, we walk in and we're in traditional Balinese garb. I mean, the only two boules, you know, the foreigners there and everybody was so friendly and they're giving out uh, brownies and iced tea and, and soda containers. Like in ba- It was just such a different experience, but so fascinating. You had the, the holy men, like the shaman, mm-hmm. or the, the high priest just blessing the couple. And it was just such a different thing. But then after you had the the buffet, it was just like special. And I think too, especially with traveling, you get what you're tuning into. You get what you're looking for. So if you go somewhere, if you start traveling with this idea that there's a target on your back because you're a foreigner and people are going to look to like commit, rob you or overcharge you or take advantage of you, or you think everyone's rude and you got to be on the defensive and all like, then those are the kinds of people because there's people like that everywhere. There's good people and bad people everywhere, regardless of culture or country or whatever religion. And I think that's a big part of it, too, is, you know, if you go somewhere like really closed off with that sort of attitude, then you're going to attract those people to mirror it back to you. And then you're, it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I would say with people too, really try to work on your mindset and work on cultivating some positive expectation about what this experience is going to be. If you're someone that might be a little reluctant to travel because you're afraid of being taken advantage of or you're afraid that you're going to encounter dangerous people or, or any, you know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and 
Kelly, that's actually what your coaching business is all about. It's about the law of attraction mm-hmm. and positive energy and, and things like that. Do you think that it definitely has helped? I mean, because you just automatically have that mindset. Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel like we've, we always attract such, like great people <laughs> and great experiences, great apartments, great houses. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I've always definitely have seen a correlation between my attitude and my mindset and my expectation and how my travel experiences turn out. And it's not about trying to control everything moment to moment, always, you know, having, making sure everything goes good through the power of your mind. But you do, you see, like, if you have that general, what your general attitude and expectations are, Mm -hmm. it absolutely has had a huge impact on the types of experiences and the types of people that we've attracted, the types of getting the, these awesome house sitting opportunities being Mm -hmm. picked for them. Like, absolutely. What about Kitty and Burma? We were in, we were in Burma, we were in Myanmar a number of months ago in Yangon in the capital. And we bumped into this, bumped into quote unquote, this Burmese lady on the street and she was the biggest doll. She like gave us these tours. She like paid for everything. It was almost surreal. And it was just, mm-hmm. she was so generous and nice. And we go to pay for stuff. She's like, no, 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 no. She's like, just pay it forward or, you know, help someone else out down the road or just be kind to someone else. This is something I'm doing. And it was like, we have come across so many phenomenal people like that. And energetically, we're a match for them. You know, you, right. you experience what you choose to see or what you choose to be or what you choose to feel. So if you kind of are doing things more from a place of love and less from fear, and when you ferret out that fear, you know, it's going to happen once in a while. But you're going to allow these experiences in, this house sits in. I mean, we've done house sits in Qatar, Fiji, Bali, Thailand, Costa Rica. I mean, it's mm-hmm. insane. Nicaragua and just Cyprus. And like, mm-hmm. these are some of the best house sits in the world. I mean, they're not quote-unquote easy to get but they're more easy for us because we allow them in and i mean even the other day we applied for one in the city we're going to have a short sit at, at, at lincoln center which is just it's brilliant right. some of these places mm-hmm. yes yeah, beautiful beautiful apartment, apartment 36 yeah, you stories see, up, like, and, it's and like, the mindset's everything with the business with the traveling and that's and also too it's so your mindset is so important especially when you're thinking about making these unconventional choices that, like you said earlier, right, people are questioning them and kind of like you're questioning them yourself and other people are like, what? And it's like, you know, these are not easy choices to make when you kind of go against the grain and you and you make these unconventional choices and you live these unconventional lifestyles. Even something as simple as working for yourself, even if you're not traveling, that's still in itself a challenge for people to to wrap their heads around and, and, you know, get the confidence to do it. So the mindset is like so important for working on it. And yeah, especially if you're thinking about, you know, like doing the nomad thing and traveling while you're working, you're going to come up against all sorts of stuff. What if my income goes away? What if I run out of money? What if this happens? What if that happens? And what if I can't say? And it's just like, that's normal. Your mind does all that stuff. You mm-hmm. can't help it. But you really so do want to plan. Exactly. You want to cultivate that mindset. And then from there, it just gets easier to do all the practical logistical stuff when you're not that better headspace. Right, right. You know, maybe you've got that one credit card that's got a, you know, a big credit limit on it that you never, ever touch. So that way, if you have to buy a plane ticket back to the States or, you know, whatever, you've got that and you're not having to scramble. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all about planning. I have a great, we have a great story about living on credit cards. About six months into our trip, we hit some severe <laughs> financial problems. We had like no income coming in, like literally like no money. Uh-huh. And, uh, we're like, Oh crap. Like, what are we going to do? I'm like, is the dream dead six months in already? It's yeah. over. You know, I was like, Oh, you know, I was like, Oh man, like what's going to happen. And I'm like, I can't, I, I don't want to go home. And I had problems with debt in the past. So like the idea of like racking up credit card debt, like made me sick to my stomach, mm-hmm. but I just flipped perspective. And for like maybe four or five months, right. We lived off my credit cards, yeah, mm-hmm. like cash advances to pay rent, charging all our groceries, like not spending an extra dollar than we needed. Mm-hmm. And looking back on that, I, I might've done it a little different. I might've let myself get the $5 massage in Thailand every once in a while. But then I was like, no, I can't. And it was like so depressing. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, we're so poor. And it was just, and I'm not encouraging people, you know, charge up your cards and max out your savings, you know, chasing this life. But you know, maybe the credit adopting, a like I adopted a different perspective on it. I was like, you know what? I know things are going to turn around. We're in a rough patch now. Opportunity. Yeah. And we, I, we manifested more money. We paid the debt off. No harm done. Yeah. We had some interest. I know that's the whole, like, don't, you don't use your credit cards because you pay interest. It's like, yeah, but 
a little interest was worth it to me to move us through that and keep mm-hmm. going with what we we did instead of giving up and going back home. Right. So like, that's just a little story. But so yeah, sometimes you might find yourself ha- with like living these sorts of life, the sort of lifestyle, whether traveling or not traveling, if you're working for yourself working and you're not yourself. getting that steady mm-hmm. paycheck, you might find yourself it making choices you that, mm-hmm. you know, are not as conventional or not as common. And, but if you flip perspective on them, you see like, Oh yeah, it's okay. Yeah. A lot of people might not have that same perspective on those choices, but if you know that, you know, like us using the credit cards, yeah, it wasn't ideal. I didn't love that we were doing that, but it got and us through a rough yeah, patch. And it and could those have easily cards, happened here. Exactly. Bingo. And those cards Perfect. got us through. A, and I was so grateful that we had them. And then that experience brought up so much money stuff for us. And we worked through so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And we ended up after that point attracting more money than we had ever been making. So it was like, it was a, a perfect sequence of events, mm-hmm. even though at the time it didn't seem so great. It actually benefited us very much. And mm-hmm. it really made us see, yeah, we can do this. And from that point on, we never had a, a, a glitch like that again. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've mentioned house sitting a couple of times. Is that typically what you do or is it kind of a combination of that and having to rent and um, you know do some, some other things? We've actually done a bit of both recently, Deb. We've been doing a lot more house sitting because it's been bringing us to spaces where we never would have thought, like a place like Cyprus or a place like Qatar. We never would have thought of traveling to these places. But really, at the beginning of the trip, it was all like renting places, okay. renting homes, renting apartments, mm-hmm. um, doing a little bit of hotel bit. But since we do the slow travel longer term. Because it seems like when we first signed up for the house sitting just a few years yeah, ago, it didn't really seem like up. there was as many opportunities like in, in a variety of countries. I feel like in the last few years, it's something that's really it's taken mushrooms. off like mm-hmm. i remember it was like about a year before we even saw a sit that we would even want to apply to and now you there you see them in all sorts of countries and so yeah at first it didn't really um you know it wasn't didn't really take popular. off at all yeah but yeah but the last three years <clears throat> with the exception of a couple of months here and there everywhere we've traveled everywhere. has been a house sit yeah so we haven't paid for accommodation in almost three years with the exception of maybe one or two months we had a rented and, a place and the cool thing a lot about these sits uh, a lot of a lot um about a lot of the sits too is they are in phenomenal spots and there are one or two where we definitely had to really put the work in like in some pretty remote areas for watching the animals and stuff but most of them are really low-key and chill like the sit we had in fiji mm-hmm. We were just watching four cats or one cat on the premises or two. And it was like, there's such minimal work and the place was so gorgeous. And for people that want to live a more nomadic lifestyle, especially if you're interested in smuggling, the, the houses are all different lengths too. So you could even do it even if you want to travel more short term that weekend, week, two weeks, some months, several months. So especially for someone that's considering like if they want to travel while they're working, and they're looking to save money, house sitting, you can't beat it. Yeah, you might have some responsibilities, but different houses have different, le- some of them it's just barely, mm-hmm. you basically do nothing but live in the house. Some of them you, you might have somebody a, there. Mm-hmm. Basically, exactly. yeah, you know, feed their cat or something. And then some, you know, might be a little more involved so you can pick and choose which ones of you. Because I, I see some all the time and I'm like, no, that's way too much work. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it depends on what your skills are and, and what you're looking to do. But yeah, there's several sites you can sign up for. And yeah, you might not get every Every job you apply to, you might not get a job immediately, perhaps, but you know, keep applying. Eventually you'll get one and you could travel. And if you're not paying for what's one of the main things you pay for accommodation and you're not paying for that, especially if you're traveling and maybe in countries where the cost of living is lower, you could get by doing this spending a lot less money than you probably think you need Mm -hmm. to spend. Right. You know, yeah. So you basically got your food. You know, got to have that. And then, you know, um, your Internet expenses, things like that. And where you are might already have Internet. So you're not having yeah, to pay for that. Exactly. And, and so, you know, you, you've got, you know, really a, a fabulous opportunity. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's a, an amazing thing. And it's funny because a lot of people still haven't really heard of house sitting. So sometimes we'll tell people what we do and it blows their mind. Right. They're just like, wait a minute. Like you get to live in these houses for free and people let you as a stranger come and live in their house. And it's just like they can't wrap their head around it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's basically right. how it works. <laughs> that is exactly how it works. A lot of places are nice too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they check you out. You know, they make yeah, sure, sure that you haven't been convicted of burglary and you know, all those <laughs> yeah, exactly. various things. And, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's a win-win. I mean, you know, when we travel, we have a house sitter, 
because that way we don't have to board our animals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it is, you know, we've got somebody here in the house. We've, you know, so the house is not empty, you know, all these various things. And, you know, and, and I know people who here in the States, they, you know, they're house sitters. They just go from apartment to apartment. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it gets a little scary for them sometimes when they don't have something lined up. I mean, you know, that's, that's the trickiest thing is what do you do when you don't have something lined up? Well, for you guys, it might mean coming home, changing countries, but you know what? You, you, you go with the flow. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And I find stuff like that always seems to work out. Like for us, you know, we've never had a position where we're like in between jobs and with like nowhere to go. We right. tend to always find something that works out with our schedule. Mm-hmm. And at most, maybe we would spend a night in a hotel or something to like in between the, the start mm-hmm. dates, but and, and then you yeah. get a little vacation. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and like I said earlier, you know, with the house sitting, you'll find all sorts of different assignments as far as length of time. So if you want to go somewhere for three months, you could find a job where you can go want live in the longest house that we ever did was six months in Bali. We stayed there and, um, we had already been to Bali. We were familiar with it and, you know, we had a very nice time there. And then we've done sits where they've been maybe a month. And then the New York sits we do because we, we uh, stay in my mother's house in New Jersey. Those can be shorter because New New York is very close. We just go back and forth. So we'll go a week or two weeks Mm -hmm. or, you know, 10 days and you know, that's good. So we'll, in New York, we usually do the shorter ones. Right. So I'm assuming that you guys do have a a physical address, like your mother's or, or something, because, you know, IRS needs to send, you know, we go, we always got to pay the taxes. You know, people, they have to send you bills, things like this. So do you have a, a you know, like a, and I'm putting this in my air quotes, a permanent address here in the States? Yeah, we do. Um, my mother Could lives. Could just be a post office box? I mean, I'm not even sure. Yeah, there are cool. people. Yeah. Um, we have her because my mom lives in New Jersey and Sarahville. Ryan's family still lives here, so we could have mail sent there. But there actually are services. I've never used them, but there are services you can get where not only can you get your mail delivered to you, but they'll scan you the documents so you can actually oh. see the mail. So if you're somebody that doesn't um, have anywhere to have it sent, if you were to go off long term. Right. Um, you could do that if there wasn't like a friend or a family member that could receive your mail. So yeah, things like that, there, there are ways around all of that mm-hmm. sort of, of stuff. But yeah, for us personally, we have, you know, these houses, like the, our family here, so we can get stuff sent here. Right. So it's not a problem, but yeah, even if you didn't, there are services that you could use to, mm-hmm. like I said, they not only take your mail, but they'll actually scan you certain pieces of mail. So you can actually see what it says. And then apparently they, they destroy it or whatever. And then right. so like, yeah, you don't miss out. And with so many bills, you like, if we have credit cards, stuff oh, like yeah. that, they, they, they can online. online. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So many, they're pretty much, there's, uh, unless there's things I'm not thinking of, cause we don't have to deal with them, but mm-hmm. I feel like no matter what it is, there's a way to get it done. Even if you're not physically here, there's right. a way to, to get stuff done. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have a PO box or a mailing address, your parents or a friend or whatever, you know, somewhere to go to or somewhere mm-hmm. where stuff could be sent to correspondence. Where, you know, once in a while you might have something you actually have to check. But really, I mean, for what we do, especially when you lean down your living, almost everything we could do virtually because we just do it online, whether it's payments or Mm -hmm. anything. Right. And and if there's like personal correspondence, the people who are going to be sending you that know that you're there. And so they're going to email it to you. you Yeah, exactly. You you mentioned your friend was getting married. Okay, so he scans the wedding invitation and sends it to you as opposed (laughs) to mailing it to you. And so you saved him money on postage. There you go. There you go. It's the blessing of technology, you know, between Skype, and Facebook and email. Everybody's that's the that's the amazing thing about what we do in the world we live in. Everybody is a split second away as far as reaching out, connecting. Hey, you know, got to get in touch. And that's that's the blessing of living, living in this age. So you could be we could be in Fiji and we get a message from someone, you know, however many, you know, 19 hours away. And we were in Fiji and we were in Sabu Sabu. It was a 19 hour difference, almost entire day. There was actually friends in Hawaii where I think it was 23. It was like literally a day. <laughs> like, oh, wow, it's, you know, it's yesterday. Now it's tomorrow in Fiji. But it's like anybody can get in touch with me in a split second mm-hmm. through an email, through a Skype, whatever, or Facebook message. And then you can just go from there. And that's what's so cool about what we do. And that's some of the things that people don't think about when they're, they're kind of thinking about travel and how I do this, how I do it, how I stay in contact. Unless you're doing the brick and mortar bit, whether a job or a business, once you make things a little more virtual, maybe through some freelancing and some passive income streams, you see really it's it's it becomes the world does become your office, potentially, right. if you want to go down that path. Well, and Kelly and I talked about this when I interviewed her before, 
you know, she, you know, you, you enter, you work with people, you you have coaching clients. Mm-hmm. And so you obviously have to adapt your schedule to theirs. So it might yes. mean that you're working in the middle of the night, um, you know, because you're in Fiji or, or wherever, but that's just kind of one of the, the things that you have to do. Yeah. Like, so for me, for my coaching, for example, um, a majority, I have readers and clients from all over the world, but a majority of my clients are in the U S. So when I'm traveling, I tailor my hours to their hours and there now there are some limitations. Like if I'm in Thailand, for example, with a 12 hour difference, I can't offer afternoon hours in the U S because that's the middle of the night for me. But evening and morning hours, that's opposite for me. That's very easy. So I find no matter where I am, I'm able to always figure out some sort of time frame that, that works for everybody. And yeah, sometimes I have to adjust the hours depending on where I am. And I can't be totally a hundred percent like flexible with that because of the time differences. Right. But I find that especially if I take into account just one kind of a, one set of time zones as the majority that I tailor it to. It's very easy to to set up a schedule that still works for for both of us. Right. Yeah, flexibility is a huge part of it. You don't want to be rigid. You want to be able to work off different time zones and and know that part and parcel with the deal is yeah, sometimes you might be working at hours that are a little different, but you're always able to find that middle ground. And that's the thing ultimately. You see that everything always works out. And all this stuff we build up in our minds about, you know, what would be able to do on the road. I remember before I even started traveling, Kelly went to the Central America trip and South America trip. I'm like, oh, I just have to stay home and work on the business and build things up and get the foundation down. And then I realized after, wait a second, I could do that anywhere. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to Bali, <laughs> you know, but you well, see what you build up in the mind. All yeah. these stories, they're just yeah. not true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the what ifs as opposed to the why not. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and. And, you know, say you have a client that says, no, you absolutely have to work with me at two o'clock my time. Then you tell them no. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, if, that, if they're, if they're know, like that, then be higher. You know, yeah, it comes back to what, what we were saying with Kelly. It's the law of attraction. Because, yeah, if you're, I, if you're working with somebody that's that demanding, then you, know, you don't, don't need to work with anyway. <laughs> Good matches. Yeah. You, have to have posture. you have to have posture. Really just see good matches. Just know that there's matches and there's non-matches. And if someone's the non-match... Nothing personal. Yeah, I don't think we're really vibing. And I think with any kind of coaching or consulting, especially if you're virtual and you have people all over the world, like, you know, accessing your content and your website, mm-hmm. no matter where you are, you might always encounter that sort of situation, right. even if you're home. If someone, you know, you might always have somebody that's not going to be on your time. And if, if they can't, then I, yeah, to me, it's not a match. Then it's like, well, it's not, and it's okay. And, you know, let I, them, I have that problem here because I'm on Eastern time zone and I had some clients out in California and it was so funny because, you know, they, they were wanting me to do something at 7.30 at night because that was 4.30 their time. And I responded and, you know, I always have the, if it's an emergency, yes, you know, I will do whatever, but it, will, it might cost you more. You know, there's that. And, and I told them, you know what, I won't expect, you won't expect me to work at 7.30 p.m. And I won't expect you to work at 5.30 a.m. And that pretty much solved that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you see, you kind of just have to have that. It's it's the boundaries. And we talked about that uh, during our last call, Deb, where it's the boundaries. It's being clear with it. And you find, too, the clearer you get, you'll run into folks who are just like, oh, you know, maybe a little more resistant. But I have folks like interviews and stuff like that, like some of my Indian blogging buddies. Mm-hmm. They'll interview me like two in the morning. Like they'll run through a brick wall to get an interview with me. And I don't say that from a place of ego, but just from I'm so clear and they so resonate with me. And I'll be like, why? What the heck are you up at, at three o'clock in, in Nigeria interviewing? But like, no, no, no. It's, it's my pleasure. And you see that. The universe kind of it conforms to you in a lot of ways, and just that the clearer you get, and the more you let go of those poor matches or just non-matches, then you'll attract the clients. You'll attract mm-hmm. the, just the awesome folks who resonate with you, where that timing or any of that's not even an issue. And then, of course, if there is, then it's just like, hey, no problem. You know, these are just my hours, and and it's just having that energetic posture where you're just like, okay, I'm clearly doing this. No worries, nothing personal. And and then you find the quicker you're able to let go of folks who aren't just matches, then the awesome matches flow in. Right. That's the beauty of it. I always feel like when you're energetically aligned with, with business and all of that stuff, your clarity, a lot of things we think matter, don't matter. (laughs) And then it's like, oh yeah, these things I think matter. Oh, well, I can't be on Facebook at this. Oh, this is like, no, it doesn't matter because that's, (laughs) 
that it, it comes to all these different channels and the energetic alignment, all of these external things that we think affect it actually don't affect it as much as we think. And that's like with the hours. So it's like, yeah, you might wear, well, what about my hours? It's like, okay, yeah, you might have to alter your hours a bit depending on where you are. But if you have that energetic alignment with the clients, with your coaching or consulting or web design or whatever your business is, you're going to find the people that match you and they work with those hours Mm -hmm. and they will make a point to make it work for them or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then it's like, or they'll have the initiative to ask if there's any alternatives. And if there are, you can present them if you want. And you know, that's, that's what I do. Like if someone were to ask me for alternative hours outside my coaching, I I could probably consider it, but I don't advertise that because I don't want everybody then asking me for Mm -hmm. different hours. But, and and it clearly depends on the situation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and, and, so, yeah. and, you know, are they willing to give a little bit on their end? You know, exactly. whether it's, you know, and, and sometimes it is, you know, it, it does come down to, you know, and if they're willing to pay a little bit more, then sure. Or, <laughs> you know, maybe they're more flexible with, you know, something else. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it, but it, it comes back to, you know, as we were saying, working with the people that are, are willing and, and happy to work with you. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, one, Ryan, one of the things we talked about when I had you on before was the fact that, you know, for, for many people, it, thinking about, oh, my gosh, I'm living in Bali. I'm living in paradise. And they forget to work. <laughs> How do you guys do that? I mean, clearly, there's you, you have to focus. And, you know, there are times where I'm like, squirrel, you know, and, and, <laughs> and I would be the, oh, my gosh, look, there goes a monkey in a way I'd go, um, you know, or, or all these various things. How did you kind of get past that point where it was like, okay. Now is work time. I think a lot of it is, and I've, I've slowly evolved more into the person who honors this mindset as the trip has gone along. It's that I really have fun doing what I do. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more fun than work, and it's kind of just having fun and helping folks and then allowing an income. So it hasn't been as much of a deal for me as big deal. So I would say that's why I always advise folks to really follow their passion, because right. even though it's so fun to be in Bali and go to the beach at any time or go to the jungle or see the monkeys in Costa Rica and all that awesome stuff, when you love what you do online, you'll still kind of build your day around that. Yet you'll also schedule in the free time. So that's why it's so important because I think a lot of folks, what they do online is too much work and not enough play because they're too attached to outcome. Like they're mainly doing it just, you know, well, I'm doing this and I don't like it, but it pays the bills. And I'm like, move away from paying the bills or making that your prime objective because we want to move out of survival mode here. We're doing things a little different energetically towards following your passion. And then you won't get sidetracked or you won't choose to be sidetracked as much because obviously we're always making our conscious decisions and that's one of the things that's helped me and if anything uh, it's it's interesting that i was actually in the other direction for a lot of my traveling online career i was working a lot of hours and being caught inside and even when we'd be outside it was like when i did the interview for for virgin and like what's your biggest digital nomad mistake i'm like not being present for my travel being a digital, but not being a nomad, quote unquote. Right. And it was just being so focused with that. And we'd be on the beach in Fiji and I'd be thinking about, oh, how could I grow my list? And mm-hmm. so I was actually in the other direction. I had to rein myself in a bit, learn to detach a bit more, embrace my fears around, you know, being mm-hmm. a control freak around my business mm-hmm. and move into that space of enjoying more of the offline stuff for that was the real struggle for me for the longest time. But as far as the distraction bit, definitely follow your passion and then two, the clearer you get, again, it's like this theme that keeps coming up energetically and the more fun you have and the more you're you know, spreading love and serving people, then your business will take care of itself as you're working it. And then that will free you up to enjoy more of the offline stuff. So you'll have you know, the money flowing in and the clients coming in and the passive income. So then you feel like, okay, maybe I'm going to take a day or two off or even like we did in, in Costa Rica last year where where for six weeks we lived in a remote jungle. We go into town every Friday and check the email for two, three hours. But other than that, we were entirely off the grid. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally off the grid in a place with an outhouse and no electricity. And you have to be in by 5.15 or Mm -hmm. (laughs) you probably, you know, either die or really hurt yourself out there. Uh It was a very good place. I would say too, um, identify your own personal like rhythm and routine that works best for you because it's different for everybody. For me, I'm more of a morning person. I like to go to bed earlier and get up early 
and get most of my stuff out of the way in the morning. And that's where I feel most productive and most motivated and my head's clearer. And I just, I get things done faster. Some people might be a little different. They might be more, they like working in the afternoon or you like working in the evening or you like breaking up your work into chunks throughout or whatever it is. So I think if you find the rhythm that works for you and you're working within that rhythm and the routine that works best, you'll be more effective, more productive, more efficient or whatever. And then you can... Find, you'll feel like you're getting what you need to get done, and then you can enjoy the the traveling as well. Well, and of course, that's wherever you are. You know, whether you're in Bali that's or true. Atlanta mm-hmm. or Detroit. I mean, you know, you have to set your own hours. You have to know, okay, I can take this afternoon off. You know, I'm going to work till midnight. All of those various things. And I think too, it's realizing because I know there's a lot of talk about like Brian's talking about like you're passionate about your business, and I totally agree with all of that. But I think sometimes we take that to mean that your business is like the only thing you care about, and that's yeah. where all your time should be mm-hmm. because it's your passion. And it's like, yeah, I'm very passionate about my coaching, and I love writing my blog, and I love doing my podcast, and I love like sharing my you know insights with people and, and hopes it will help them. Like these insights helped me, but it's not who I am. It's still my right. business, and I found that when I I kind of let go of this idea that just because it was my passion, it meant it had to be my life. I did give myself permission to do other things, realizing those things are just as important as my business. Yeah. When you really have a genuine passion for your business, you don't identify with it. You just realize that it's just something that you do for some of the day. And even then it's not like something where it's just, I have to do it. I need to, you kind of dissociate yourself more from it. The more passionate you are about it, and the better you feel about it, then the better you feel about your offline stuff. And it's less of an attachment. And you it's it's more than anything being passionate about setting up the lifestyle, never losing, you know, losing the idea that you want to really engineer this this business that that helps free you that where you're doing it and you're helping people and you're, you're generating cash online and, and building a, a sustainable business and helping people. But then that's just one thing that you're doing. And then you realize, oh, I want to travel, I want to, whatever it is for you, you know, live this lifestyle, or even if it's just a passive thing where you're making a little cash on the side, you just want to have fun fulfilling yourself and expressing yourself and following a passion. So yeah, it's never really about that as much as it's just about having fun doing that and then having fun with your travels and not identifying any one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, holy schmoly, we have just a couple minutes left. This really is fascinating. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, would I ever do it? Probably not. But you never know. I mean, you know, and, and that's more because I have my my animals and mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm like, and I'm 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 a stuff person. What would I do with all my stuff? <laughs> you know, yeah, I can't bring it with you. <laughs> yeah, that's and, tough but one. You know what? It, it's at some point we're gonna have to get rid of some of our stuff. You know, we're gonna have to become under you know understuffed. Um, you know, and and all those various things. But um, you know, it, it really is fascinating. And even just thinking, wow, I could take a month and go some live. Somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a permanent thing. You don't have to like sell all your stuff and get rid of, you know, it is. And I think it's recognizing too what you want because it's not everyone would necessarily, like, I think there's this idea of like when you work for yourself or like, there's this idea that like you should do all that sort of stuff, but it's like, maybe people don't want, some people don't want to, they, that's not an appealing life to them or if they're not as interested in traveling. And if you're one of those people, that's fine. Don't feel like, you know, you have to do this just because you can. It's like, if you don't really feel the pull to do it, then it's all about, you know, the choosing, you know, building your life on your own terms and working for yourself is a great way to a foundation for that. And then it's like, so just always, yeah, do what makes you happy and don't feel pressure to do any one thing because you think that's what you're supposed to do. If you are leaving your neighborhood, that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Not everyone has that same desire to do that and that's fine. Right. Well, I would like each of you to take a minute and tell us a little bit how they connect with you and find you online. So, Ryan, go first. Sure thing. Uh, my blog is bloggingfromparadise.com. I have my courses there, my coaching services, all 126. Yeah, I'm still 126. I've been a bad boy since the last fall. But uh, 126 ebooks, all types of audiobooks, paperbacks, all that good stuff. And of course, my blog posts, podcasts, all that good stuff. So you could find me there. And it's just me helping folks live their dreams through blogging, giving them the smart blogging tips, mindset-wise, practical-wise, to help them live, live the life of their dreams, whatever that life is. Perfect, perfect. And Kelly, how do we find you on that? Um, my website is the best way to get in touch with me, livelifemadetoorder.com. There you'll find hundreds of blog posts. I have over 100 podcasts now. 
information about my coaching services. And I have a whole bunch of products on there too, about various aspects of the law of attraction, different uh, subject matter, like relationships, business, and a few different other ones. So yeah, that's the best way to learn more about me and reach me. Perfect. You know, and, and I want to emphasize to folks that you know, both of you have great passive income by having those courses, those books, yeah, you know, all of those various things. So, you know, even if you're happy in your own little backyard, check that out. That's a, a great way to be making additional money. It's always great to see a payment come in. Obviously, at the moment I created it, I was actively participating. But after that, you're just like, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, no, it is nice. It is nice, especially with the life we live. Definitely. Right. I've, I've got my button. Are you ready? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Ryan Bedoff and Kelly Cooper. And until next week, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.